Hey everyone, welcome back to The Vault, the gaming podcast where we take some of the greatest games of all time and have a chat about them. It's the penultimate episode today. Yes. Good. Is he going to say anything else? Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, because sometimes I think you might go and say something else, so I just kind of quickly after, chime like, in. Pretty much towards the end this. of series three, we we know we think we know more, research more. Never mind. Very slapdash. Oh um, well. So when we say the greatest games of all time, yes, this is, in my opinion, the greatest game of all time. Is it? Mm-hmm. You say this one is the best. The best. Oh, cool. I, I never knew really which one was your favourite. You obviously didn't, didn't listen to Pal Key's episode one then, did you? Well, yeah, I did, but that was a very long time ago. Well, maybe you need to revisit. Well, I'm sorry. Look, okay, you like a <laughs> lot of... Well, we don't. We haven't even said what we're talking about yet. Well, if they look at the show title, they'll probably know. No, but we have to mention it. <laughs> Go on, then. Tomb Raider. Which one? Uno. Which year? <laughs> Nine, it was, I think it's 96. You think or you know? Well, I don't know, actually. 96. It is 96. It is. Yeah, I always forget if it's 95 or 96. It was 95 when they were doing it. Yeah, probably, yeah. Then it was released in October of 96. Yeah. Well, I mean, I came to Tomb Raider late, I think. Well, you would have only been one when it came out anyway. Yeah. And I was five. Oh, cute. <laughs> what a fun episode we're in for today. Um... <laughs> Rude. Well, I'm getting very one-word answers from you. I'll get into the rhythm of it. Okay. I'll we're recording work. very early again in the morning. It's fucking quarter to eleven, man. And by early, I mean we've only got up not that long ago. <laughs> and whose fault's that? Mine, because I didn't want to set an alarm. <laughs> and you wanted to watch Prison Break till fuck knows o'clock last night. Because you made me want to watch it. So really, it's your fault. I <laughs> know oh, it's my fault. I knew you'd get into it, but I didn't realise you'd like it this much. I mean, I'm like that with any series, though. Like, I'll usually once I'm once it's something that that's I'm slightly interested in, I've got to see it through. I mean, I have no issue with watching. I've watched that first series probably no, no exaggeration, about twenty one times. Really? That many times? Damn! I didn't realise how old it was. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. But I'll look at Wenty all day, every day. I'm not bothered. Wenty. Wenty. Wenty Miller. Oh, what an absolute spice! Anyway, back wow. to the task at hand. Even well, you said he was an attractive man as well. I didn't say he was an attractive man. I said he just, you know, he's. Yeah. Don't lie. You said he was an attractive man. I said, do you think he's an attractive man last night? And you I went, said he's yes. no, and I said no. He, well, he's not exactly bad looking. Ah. Oh, what a backhanded. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love him anyway. That's fine then. Oh God, domestic in progress. Anyway, yeah. So angry. You're so mad right now. Oh my God. So the birth of Lara Croft was in a place called Derby. It was. By a man called Toby Gard. Mm-hmm. And core design. Well, yeah, from Toby Gard into their hands. And I think... I do get a bit sad when I hear about that story. What, about how he left after the first game? Yeah. Mm. But then I know he came back later he on. He came back le- for Legend, Legend. And I'm guessing he had some sort of influence on anniversary. I don't know the whole in and out, but yeah. I think they were going to take... Well, they were taking her in a direction that he didn't want her to go in. It was the whole marketing thing and and everything, wasn't it? After Tomb Raider One's success, mm-hmm. that she went down the uh, a route that he didn't agree with. So, yeah, it is sad when you 
think back to it because you know things could have been really different if he had stayed on i suppose but but this is the thing would they have been that different though or would it just delayed it i don't know actually i wonder if um tomb raider 2 and 3 would have been any different if he had stayed around well, the whole of Tomb Raider's franchise, because, you know, a little change like that could have had a whole knock-on effect. Yeah. The thing is, though, it's sort of, it's one of those things where it's like, I am one person, I have created it, but then once sort of the cash starts rolling in, yeah, then, you know, more people get, more fingers get added to the pie. Yeah. You know, that sort of thing. So I do, I am curious about that, but we'll never know. No. So... That's the end of that. Because mm. I think, didn't they want to do, like... Because they'd done Rick Dangerous, hadn't they? Yeah. I, I, I don't know whether they wanted to do another... Or another game of that or, or something similar, but I, I know that they never imagined having a female protagonist until Toby came up with these sketches. Yeah. The prints of which I would love to own. Those original, like, pieces and stuff the, It's sketched. the one where she has that... It says the logo at the top. Yeah. And then she looks really scared with that really long, gorgeous plaid. Is she looking backwards sort of thing? No, she's looking sort of... She's sort of hunched over a little bit and there's like skulls in the corner. Oh, yeah, I know the one you mean. Yeah. That is is a wicked piece. I don't know whether Luke has one of them. It wouldn't surprise me because he he, he has a gold mine of bloody Tomb Raider stuff. And he just casually dropped these things into conversation. like, yeah, got one of the golden masks, you know what I mean? Yeah, he's got, I just got that golden mask up there, yeah. No, no, yeah, I just got it, you know. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, Luke, we're pleased for you, but at the same time. Yeah, it's not fair. Sleep with one eye open, Yeah, (laughs) we're coming for you. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the house was robbed in Derby last night yeah. under the cloak of darkness. <laughs> two two <laughs> figures were seen carrying a lot of swag from Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider of Games Path. Yeah. Um, team size very small. So yeah, the original um, Tomb Raider developers are Gavin Rummery. Yeah. Jason Gosling, Toby Gard, Heather Gibson, Neil Boyd, and Paul Douglas. And then you had Nathan doing the music as well, obviously. Yeah, and then. Adrian Smith and Jeremy Heath Smith were MDs of core at the time, I think. Yeah, it was along those lines, I think. Yeah. But yeah, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm quite new to the whole, I mean, it's only been the last few years, really, that I've looked into their actual uh, company and found out the people who worked on it, really. I know we've like mentioned it in some of the other podcasts we've already talked about. I think since um, me and you have been together, like we've become more involved in... The that community and going to events and all of that, th- in all of that sort of thing. Yeah. Um. I knew since a, since a kid, I, I would just read the booklet over and over again. So I knew there weren't really met that many people involved. Yeah. But I obviously had never heard them speak freely about these experiences or no, no. how they did it. I find it absolutely insane that you had the size of these levels. And the design of these levels, and there weren't there was like two, maybe three people working on them on the levels. Yeah, well, I think there has to be like a lot of um, I can't like a combination, I suppose, of a few people who came up with Tomb Raider's essentially Tomb Raider's engine, so that mm-hmm. Lara could work in this like blocky environment and whatnot. And then yeah, the the level designers would just pick up this software, and that's what the level editor is now, where you just go through and 
make levels. Obviously, that's easier than said than done. But mm-hmm. I love seeing all of their sketches of the levels. I don't know if you've ever seen. Uh, I think I've seen they a just, couple. They draw out like little things just to try and get ideas in their heads and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think there's just a few of those drawings that are still about, which is cool. It's really cool that still to this day people are creating stuff in that editor. Yeah. And I think Heather was saying at one of the talks that didn't she sort of see some online or something yeah she was like some of the stuff that people are doing now is better than what she, she had done you know saying like in a, a nice way and obviously Tomb Raider fans are like no no <laughs> Heather thank you but no yeah. you're wrong there yeah thank um, you for what you have done <laughs> so let's go back so originally she was supposed to be called Laura Cruz and she was supposed to be South American of course yeah and then I think going forward they wanted the character to be frightfully British yeah and then they found Lara's name in a phone book yeah, I suppose they decided to go with like the whole English um, adventure in- instead, was because they've got like things to draw on being an English company. I suppose to do it more accurately, I guess. Mm-hmm. I suppose at the time it'd have been harder to find out like proper references to do things properly and all that sort of stuff. I I guess I don't I don't really know why they ended up going in that direction. I don't know why because it might have just been the fact that <clears throat> they were British company yeah and wanted to keep her i suppose at the British. time it was all like quite american-y kind of americanized games at the forefront as well so to have a, a british female character at the forefront was quite i mean having a female a character thing. in that anyway yeah at that time that wasn't just a damsel in distress or you know because there's the thing i think there's so much uh controversy over her as a character because of the way that she was marketed going forward that everyone sees... Well, there's a lot of people who see Lara as this very negative... Thing. ...person sort of thing. And I never... I still don't, in in the classic sense anyway, see her as that. No, neither. Because um, they were like, oh, she's over-sexualised and all of this. But I was like... I, I would always get really defensive. I'm like, well, she's in a really hot country. She's not going to wear, like, really long trousers... And, you know, this or this or this. And I was just, leave her alone. Yeah, I think... Um, you know. It's a... I mean, the... I, I never saw her anything other than strength. Yeah. In Especially the game, in that though, era. it's not over-glorified, the whole, you know, her sexual kind of uh, but that's portrayal a, but isn't that's really portrayed not... until, like, the fourth game where they change her in-game model to look more like how they've got her in the promotional material, which I've noticed. Whereas yeah. in Tomb Raider 1, 2 and 3, she's quite... She's, like, when you get into the game, it's not like, oh, she's on all these, like, suggestive poses, like they put her in in some of the, you know, artwork and stuff, mm-hmm. which, you know, is what it is, I suppose. I understand for the time, it's like, yeah, it wasn't great. I mean, but for me now, I'm not... It, I've never, I, I've, I've I've never been bothered by it. I've always thought she was, like, really pretty, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I just idolise her yeah and obviously she's unobtainable anyway so it's it's one of them but it's not like because i was going to say you know if if you're like there's a man called vince on this lethal and loaded <laughs> oh, god yeah <laughs> documentary and then i think if you're borderline vince yeah of how you view lara you've got a problem where you're like obsessive i mean yeah i don't know no but he i <laughs> I know he's a real person, but I'm just like, mate, she ain't real. Yeah. You know, stop being a fucking weirdo. Yeah, it's um, a bit strange, isn't it? It is a bit strange. I mean, but yeah, then, then I would get sort of defensive and be like, well, you obviously, you don't know her. 
Yeah. And it's to, to me, I, th- I feel like some people who make certain comments about Lara and how she looks and how she is, I'm like, well, you've not played the game. Because to me, marketed Lara and in-game Lara are two very different people. Yeah, like as it goes on, she gets a little bit more flirty and... Yeah, she's got a bit of sass and that All about of that. Her. But I've never seen that as a a negative thing. Yeah. For me personally, I can only speak for me. I've also got to say, obviously, uh, yeah... It's obviously aimed at people like me. <laughs> the fact that she's like this, you know, over-sexualized lady to try and bring in this male audience sort of thing. Obviously, at the time I was really young, so it wasn't aimed at me specifically in that no. time. But um, but then it's one of them. But for this, me, this... Tomb Raider, it, that that's not what I think about. I don't think about like the, you know, oh her boobs are really big. I just think about all like the adventures you have and how cool yeah. Lara is. <laughs> And I think that's the thing, it, you know, I think they probably, marketing-wise, probably thought, well, we're going to be bringing in a lot of male gamers yeah. to, to a you know female-led game, doing so allegedly do all of these, a... air quotes, manly things. Yeah. Yawn. Exactly. But there's so many, just so many people, and there's a lot of, you know... There's there's a lot of women who love her. There's a lot of men who love her. There's a lot of, you know, non-binary people who love her. Trans people who love her. like there's there's such a positive love for her within that community. Yeah. And what she stands for and what she represents. And I know, yeah, she goes around like killing people and all of these things. Yeah. But you could just got to look past that. I think this is the thing for me. And I know what a lot of people have said. And I understand it. Like when you look at it from like where she breaks into Area 51 in Tomb Raider 3 and everything. It's like, yeah, she's going around killing people and everything. But I'm like, yeah, but this is just like, it's just a bit of an old fashioned romp. It's just an adventure game. It's not meant to be thought of like, oh, well, morally, Lara's doing this and she's killing. It's not meant to be like that. It's just a bit of escapism, a little bit of fun uh, going on a big adventure. And I don't think. No, I think I, that's... it annoys me when people really look into all these things. And it's like at the time, like the other games that are around it and it's like Spyro and Crash. And it's just one of those things where it's like, it's not real. No. It is just a game. But the, but that's the thing. It's like when you look at so many of the games that came before it that were doing way worse things than Tomb Raider ever did. I feel like it, for that time, and obviously you had the Spice Girls around that time as well, it was just another thing to add to like girl power and all of that. And yeah. as a young kid seeing that, I was like, oh my God, she's so fucking cool. Yeah. Obviously I didn't say fuck because I was very young, but... It was it was a positive thing for me. So it's like I was always one of the boys, sort of. I guess in a way, there's part of me that's this. I am still a bit of a tomboy anyway. But it's one of them where it's like I would run around the playground, then pretending to be Lara rather than nondescript army man. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. sort of thing. So I was like trying to be the Lara of the group. So it's like I I always felt like I could join in in the the rough and tumble side of it because I had her to. Almost play, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I know it's not the same thing because Lara's affected people in many ways and helped Lara in many ways. But it's just like I felt like I had someone to sort of look up to in that in that sense. Because you, you know, when you're younger, I didn't. I was terrified of the games. There's part of me that still that still is. Yeah. I know we're focusing on on one for now, but we'll get all this say, out of the way. Yeah, first. we've kind of gone back round to Tomb Talk at the beginning of this. Part I know. Again, yeah. But, Sorry. Um, um, yeah, well, but yeah, we'll 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 move on. We'll yeah. move on. I think I already brought up my like first experiences with Tomb Raider One in that episode where we said about yeah. like, 
you know, I was terrified of the first bit and I would just quit the game and then go around her house for a little while. And yeah, I'm, I suppose we've already covered our sort of first things with Tomb Raider 1 in that episode. So mm-hmm. we can sort of move a bit forward into the game more. So in terms of her backstory in this, she was... Actually, I'll read you the proper, wink, wink, backstory of Tomb Raider 1. Go on then. Let me find it, obviously, because I don't have it in front of me. Oh, actually... Oh, you haven't got it in here, have you? It's all upstairs. I was yeah. going to say, Tomb Raider. Hopefully I can find it. I'll know it as soon as I see it, which one it is. This is taken from this is from wikiraider.com. So yeah. thanks to them for having all the information to hand that I need. Thank you. This isn't again some sort of paid thing. It's just well, You know no. when you're looking for something really specific in something that you love there's always a dedicated wiki and I'm like, "Yes, this is exactly what I want." Yeah. My pronunciation may not have may not be the best here, so please do forgive me. Lara Croft, daughter of Lord Hedgingley Croft, was raised to be an aristocrat from birth. After attending finishing school at the age of 21, Lara's marriage into wealth had seemed, had seemed assured, but on her way home from a skiing trip to her chartered plane, her chartered plane had crashed deep in the heart of the Himalayas. The only survivor, Lara learned how to depend on her wits to stay alive in hostile conditions, a world away from her sheltered upbringing. Two weeks later, when she walked into the village of Tokakaribi, that's as best as I can pronounce that. I'm really sorry if I've butchered that. Her experience had had a profound effect on her. Unable to stand the claustrophobic, suffocating atmosphere of the upper-class British society, she realised that she was only truly alive when she was travelling alone. Over the eight following years, she acquired an intimate knowledge of ancient civilizations across the globe. Her family disowned their prodigal daughter and she turned into writing to fund her trips famed for discovering several ancient sites of profound archaeological interest she made a name for herself by publishing travel books and detailed journals of her exploits which is very cool so of that you think she's a pair of tits go on yeah (laughs) (laughs) so that's the lara that i know and have grown up with yeah and that's the that's the one i prefer again like with all of our podcasts this is just our opinion and we're sorry if that offends you, <laughs> but it's, not that much. Well, it's, yeah. Get over it over there. Um, that's probably a very bad attitude. I mean, in the sense of we have our opinion. If you disagree, that's absolutely fine. Yeah. Let me find my page. I've lost it in all that excitement. So that backstory changes as the life cycle of Lara continues. But for right now... Yeah, we don't need to get into that. We don't need to get into that. So that's that's uh, where we're at. So the outfit, the, the iconic outfit. blue turquoise top. Yeah. The combat shorts, the sunglasses. It is definitely very iconic. And the, um, the gun belt. Gun holsters. Yeah, I had to think then. Yeah, I always used to, like, I would always want to draw that outfit. Mm-hmm. And it got to the point now where... I mean, even when I was much younger, I could... Uh, my drawing wasn't that great, but I could draw it from memory. It'd always be like, right, you've got to draw the backpack and then you've oh, got yeah, to draw the glasses and you've got to mind. draw the, the tank top. In her bubble... And the, the I call it the bubble with braid. With the little holes in and, yeah. Yeah, I call it the bubble braid and her pink nails. 
Her pink nails? Yeah. She has like longish pink fingernails. Oh, does she? I don't think I've ever realised. <laughs> she does. Fair enough. But um, yeah, my experience really with Tomb Raider 1 is quite um, new because it wasn't until 2017 that I actually finished Tomb Raider 1 for the first time. <laughs> well, on... I don't think it's like that far for me. Yeah, which was on the iOS version. I don't know how you played that on there, but they I, have a I, bigger phone than me. I really got used to it. Well, I, I first played it on my small, my uh, old phone, my... Uh, well, sorry, I, I first played it when I had a 5S, which was much smaller. And then I actually, mine, it? Yeah, then I actually finished it on my, like when I got the bigger phone, which was one of my main reasons for getting a bigger phone was so I could play <laughs> Tomb Raider on it because they got one and two on there. Mm-hmm. And then um, they gave us that horrible prank, didn't they, for April Fool's? That Someone did, that Tomb Raider 3 was coming yeah, out and on iOS. Was buzzing, I and was it looked so, so real. And then it was, like, not real. Yeah, and that was really And when I thought about it, I was thinking, yeah, it probably wouldn't work as well on iOS because there's more mechanics in free. But Yeah, probably. Yeah. So, yeah, my my nostalgia and all that sort of thing is uh, only really with tiny bits of Tomb Raider 1. Mm-hmm. Like my... Because, yeah, again, I mentioned it in the um, Tomb Talk one about being terrified of the first bit in the caves and just wanting to quit the game. Yeah. Um. And also, because we originally played it on PC, the PC version didn't have any of the music in it. So only the Tomb Raider theme at the beginning you heard. So throughout the whole of the rest of the game, and I think it's the same on the iOS app as well, there isn't any of the actual soundtrack. So the first time I heard the T-Rex soundtrack was in Tomb Raider 2 in that Jeep cut scene after Ice Palace. Yeah. Because it gets played there. That was the first time I heard it. So I didn't have this big association really with the T-Rex. Yeah, Obviously, no, we spoilers, never even, we but never if, even you got don't, to it. if you don't, like, this is the thing, you don't have to have ever played Tomb Raider yeah. to know the iconic things that everybody who was born in the 90s just knows. Like, you know that there's a T-Rex in Tomb Raider 1. Yeah. I mean, you I, know in the I, second one you can lock Winston in the freezer. I know you said spoilers, so I think if nobody's played it in 24 years... That's what I mean, yeah. <laughs> they've got, that, that's what I thought, and I was like, well... missing the trick. You know, it's not... I know that some people have like played the remakes... Uh, well, sorry, the the um, the reboot, and uh, are now going back to those games, which mm-hmm. is cool to see. That is cool to see. Because I've seen some people, like when they've commented on some of the things I've posted, and they'll say, oh, yeah, I've only ever played the newer games, but um, you know, it'd be good to go back to the old ones. So mm-hmm. that's cool that people still want to go back to it. So the cover synopsis of the game is, Adventurer Lara Croft has been hired to recover pieces of an ancient artefact known as the Skion. With her fearless acrobatic style, she runs, jumps, swims, and climbs her way towards the truth of its origins and powers, leaving, an own, uh, leaving only a trail of empty tombs and gun cartridges in her wake. What a gal. Yeah. Uh, on this trail are the most breathtaking 3D worlds yet seen, where exploration, puzzle, and platform elements blend in a seamless real-time environment. It's also in third-person perspective, just so you know. Yes. If you don't already. Yeah. I remember pu- putting in that game mm-hmm. and then just hearing the... Yeah. That melody, and I was like, oh, God, I like this. Yeah. <laughs> it always kind of scared me a little bit, the Tomb Raider 1. Um, main well, menu because it's so dark so yeah and she's kind of just lurking in the darkness and, and then there's this like, weirdly sort of almost sad gentle music that comes on and I'm like I don't really know what to make of this <laughs> yeah and then obviously everything would collapse and you'd go into demo mode yeah which is where I lived most of the time when I was younger it's like oh wow look at all these nice places other people have got to and I haven't <laughs> yeah I remember just putting that on and then you have that first cutscene when she's it it goes to 
you have the like the explosion in New Mexico, you? isn't it? Yeah, and then you don't realise, but Natla is sort of like in her little chamber. Yeah, she? so it's during the nuclear tests, I think, in like the fifties that she gets released, and some big nuclear explosion basically unlocks her from the depths of the New Mexico desert. And then we go to Calcutta. Yep. And I've only just realised, actually, rem- reminding myself that she funds her trips through writing. Larson throws on the table an adventure magazine with her on the front with Bigfoot. Yeah. So I've only just thought that must be her... Probably an article she's written about she's stamping done, out Bigfoot. With some really good word art on, which yeah. I just love for the nostalgia of that. Yeah. What's it got to take for a man to get that kind of attention yeah. from you? <laughs> it's hard to say exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Oh, my God. It is so good. I love to, I, I again, I talked about it in one of the other ones, but I love to think about all these sorts of alternate things as to why Lara's in, in Calcutta. Yeah. And I like to imagine that she's actually looking for the Infada Stone at the beginning of Tomb Raider Ooh, 1. Oh, okay. she's in India. Yes. And then she hasn't actually quite found, like, where to go yet. Mm-hmm. And then obviously Larson turns up and it sends her on a different adventure instead. And then she picks up the trail years later when RX Tech finally get involved. I have said Larson's line wrong, just to clarify. I'm have sorry you? about that. I just got too excited. Why? What did you say? What's, what's he got to take? What's but a man got to do to but get it's what, <laughs> What's a man got to do to get the get kind of attention from you? Yeah. But then it's where she looks up when he's talking with the sunglasses on. She's like, who are you? Yeah, oh, fuck off. Fuck <laughs> off, hen. Yeah, and I think that's like... This is the thing. The FMVs of this game like blew me away because I, I hadn't really experienced anything like that before. No. Um, and obviously their mouths don't move, but who gives a they shit? They don't, do they? Yeah, no. I forgot about that. Oh, no. I don't they think, don't. No, I don't think they do. They just, no, they they only, just smirk and the whatnot. The first time I think they move in FMV is the third one because when she's on the boat with Turner, not Tony, Willard... Yeah, I don't think she actually has any speaking parts in her FMVs in Tomb Raider 2. I think they're all action sequences. Yeah. So, that's, yeah. But yeah, I think you're right. It's not until she gets on the boat with Willard that she speaks to him. And Yeah, Yeah, because I remember when Natla's like later on in the game, well, kill her! And yeah. she just points. And just sm- <laughs> and does like a smirk <laughs> yeah. at her. Yeah. Um, and I think you only sort of get f- like facial animation or like gasps or... Yeah, you get expressions rather than... Speech, than actual speech. Yeah. Um, but I, I didn't notice that, to be honest. I think they did it in a really good way where I, I never noticed it until like last year. No, I that's the thing. I think I, I... And still to this day, like I watched them and I'm still a bit blown away by the quality then. Because yeah. I don't mean to put like any other thing down or anything like that. But you know, like when you look at Resident Evil yeah. and their cutscene at the beginning, it's live action. Yeah. I mean, it's hilarious. That's, it's fucking it's hilarious. It's now a meme. <laughs> yeah. And you look at sort of their versions of things or their gameplay yeah and you compare that to tomb raider which part you, you know you might not you maybe shouldn't do no um but for me when something comes out at a relatively similar time i always think wow like look at the environments that they've been able to create at core yeah and how vast and big these rooms were yeah and you had to sort of keep it wasn't just a thing of okay i have to just keep pushing forward if you find a key in one room you know that that key i was going to be right at the start of the level yeah and you've got to keep backtracking and all of that but you pull a lever and it'll open a door on the other side of the planet <laughs> oh god well, we will get to puzzles trust me but i think when i first watched that fmv and she's like looks up at larson 
and I was sort of sat there and I know I read the history, but obviously when you're reading that as a seven year old, you're like, What the fuck's an aristocrat? What's yeah. this? What's that? What's a henchingly? Or oh, if that's yeah, what's well, henchingly? Hello there. And then when they changed it to Richard when I was older, again I know we're flip flopping, but I was like, No. <laughs> that's his name's Hedgingly darling. But yeah, so when I when I saw her, I was sort of intrigued, and I was like, "Who who is she? who is she? What's what's Lara about?" And I wanted to find out more, and it just really intrigued me from the get go. Yeah, I say it did intrigue me because I loved watching the cutscenes. Um, but you know, this was a time before the internet and whatnot, so you couldn't just go and look for a cutscene compilation on YouTube. No. Um, but I did like to watch the cutscenes and then I'd be like, I'm done now. Don't yeah, want to play bye. anymore. I know I've got control. Scary wolves. Ooh. Scary bears. Scary bears. Spirit bears. So yeah, when like Natla starts talking, because obviously the incomparable Shelley Blonde. Indeed. God, I just love her so much. Voices wish, yeah. Lara Croft in, in the first ever game. And it's a shame because we don't really know who the other voice actors were because I'd love to find out who Larson was or who, you know, voiced Natler and all of that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, but I, I think, I the, only, I think the only voice credit you have is um, is Shelley. Yeah. Which, you know, you can get because she's the main character. Yeah. Because I think back in the day they were like, they would just get whoever into... I suppose it would have been all local people, really. Yeah, maybe. Um, You know, people who just wanted any old kind of acting sort of voiceover job, really. Shelley's appeared in... She was on Raidercast with, with Chris. Which was awesome, um, yeah. Which was a fantastic episode. It was really interesting to sort of hear more about her experience with it and, and yeah. all of that. I think it took about four, five hours to just record that. What, the whole thing? The whole thing. Oh, no, really? Well, um, I suppose, yeah, there's not really loads of talking in it, is there? There's, there's, over six, there's just over 16 minutes of cutscenes, including right. the in-game ones and the FMV ones. Yep. And then, obviously... You've got the iconic no. Yeah, which is just a whole thing to itself. Now. I remember she said that to me on like a, she sent me like a voice note, and um, we were just chatting about something, and then she went, she just said the word no, yeah. and then she went, oh, Lara Croft either. Yeah. And I was like, oh, <laughs> she always makes me chuckle. Yeah. So yeah, it, it it must be really strange because obviously when you know you, we saw her at the. Sweet, you know, the composer buffet. It must be really strange to think something that you were in, was in sort of over 20 years ago is still so celebrated now. Yeah. It's just, as much as I love Judith's performances in 2 and 3, Yeah, it did make me sad that Shelley couldn't return for any more of them. Yeah, Because yeah. I think there was, like, scheduling issues or something. I think she was working on another project at, at the time. Yeah. But, yeah, I do wonder sort of how different... That game would have felt. Yeah. Because I remember when I was younger, I was like, they, they don't sound the same. Mm-hmm. And in my head, I was like, oh, maybe it's because Lara's young and her voice is just. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. obviously, like, you're really little, and I was like, I don't really you understand. You don't know about voice actors or anything, really. No. I was just like, Lara sounds different in this one. Yeah. Lara to me always seemed younger in the first one because I don't know. Like, I think because Shelley's voice has got this really nice sort of like, sounds weird, but like a bounce to it or yeah. that sort of melody to it like when she's telling you at the start when you're at Croft Manor to like move around and let's do some tumbling and all of that yeah um I always felt like Lara sounded quite 
approachable, but then at the same time, you're like, I wouldn't fucking get on the wrong side of her. Yeah. So. Uh, in Croft Manor, you have the Ark of the Covenant, which I think they got a bit of stick for, didn't they? Core design, because they, yeah. it's literally the model from Indiana Jones and the, like Ra- and Raiders. Mm-hmm. So, but I think that's still, I, I like that it's there. It's cool. Yeah, you have these little nods, so it's almost like Lara's been there with the the big time archaeologists the whole the whole time. I remember so I can't remember who did the artwork, but it was a really cool piece when someone's drawn Indiana Jones in the middle and then he's pushing away Lara and Nathan Drake and he's like, Kids yeah. play nice or something yeah. like that. I can't remember who'd made they're, that, but they're that was like the a trilogy of pop culture archaeologists, I suppose. It's weird because obviously I know we're talking about Tomb Raider, but I never, I know Nathan Drake is, but I never sort of see him as that. What do you mean? I think because of how he is, he's just an everyman sort of version of it. Yeah. Whereas with Lara, I'm always like, she's gone there, she's perfect. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I mean they're very, very different. Uh, I know a lot of people would say that you know the recent games are more similar in comparison to Uncharted and that. Well, there's and a whole kind of been, argument about that. They've been inspiring that, each other yeah. for ages, but, you know, I still love the Uncharted series. But, yeah, we'll get to that eventually. Yeah, exactly. So I think just as a character, that's that was the thing. I think at first, obviously, I think it was more Lara, actually, than the thought of the game that put me into it. Yeah. I think it was the interest with her, and I was like, who is she, what's she about? Mm-hmm. Then sort of because because she was the main reason why I got into video games and all of that. Yeah. Because I remember obviously like playing it at school and stuff like that, and she and she was everywhere. Yeah. And I just yeah just loved her, mm. and I think it was something that I I felt like appealed to me, and I was like oh well I I obviously when you're a kid you think you're you can be anything that you want to be. Obviously, I've tried doing certain things that she does and I realise I can't do them. <laughs> or I almost drown if <laughs> I try to do them. Oh, dear. Oh, the kayak trip of 2018. Um, won't go into that or do that ever again. So I think then I was like, well, I, I run around and I want, you know, pretend to shoot things and all of that. Yeah. That I, I could be her mm. sort of thing. And yeah, it's just gone on from there. It's been this journey ever since really yeah so yeah i came really late to tomb raider one so kind of everything in it was already spoiled for me just from being part of you know yeah. i'd always looked into tomb raider but i'd never really got my hands on tomb raider ones uh i'd always seen um different like cutscenes from different parts just growing up and never known what game they belonged to mm-hmm. Cause i remember seeing bits from like chronicles and stuff and i was like where are these parts in these games because i didn't know they existed no or, or um I mean, one of my first major memories with Tomb Raider 1 was actually with Unfinished Business. And I remember putting yeah. in... My dad picked me up from school. And obviously he worked uh, later than when school finished. So I'd go back to with him to the, the old yard, um, their offices. And we he would usually just put me on like a little computer. And he'd be like, right, there you go. There's Tomb Raider. And I would just switch the discs around and it'd be... Either Tomb Raider 1, the bit with the caves, where I'd literally start the game up, be terrified, turn it off and put the other disc in. Mm-hmm. And on Unfinished Business, it would be that a bit where, I mean, I know now, I didn't at the time, but it, it, the beginning level is the city of Kamun again, but it's all flooded. Right. And 
you're in front of this like jade cat statue and the the floor... which we have seen in the flesh now yeah indeed and it ain't that big yes because <laughs> in the game like it's as big as lara isn't it well it's a lot yeah i think it's huge so i was thinking oh when we went to the british museum i was like oh it's gonna be bloody huge and then i was like oh it's tiny yeah <laughs> but it was still very cool to see yeah no it's cool like cool little thing but yeah, I remember being terrified of that as well because the floor would collapse in and then there'd be crocodiles swimming around in the water and I'd be like, I don't want to go down there because I'm going to get eaten. I think there'd be one time where I'd get really brave and just drop into the water and then instantly be like, I don't know what to do and then <laughs> come out of the game and then just panic again. Yeah. So it's weird because it was for, for years I didn't know where that part was and I thought it was in Tomb Raider 1 and it was in Unfinished, unfinished Business. Mm-hmm. I couldn't figure out how did I get to this part if it's right at the beginning of a game but it's not the same as the bit in the caves and I was really... Just confused. Yeah, it didn't make any sense to me. No. Um so I it think... wasn't until, yeah, again, because of the iOS versions, you have um, Unfinished That's Business on there as well in, and um, Tomb Raider 2 Gold is, which I'd never played until I could get on that. So that was no. cool. So I think, you know, when you have that first cutscene and she's going to, where is she, Peru? Peru. With her companion, who I always thought went back in the day was her dad. Well, that's amazing, that is. <laughs> God's sake. I don't know why, because I think because I'd read him in the booklet, I was like, oh, that must be Lord Hedgingley. <laughs> um, you know, dressed in it's Peruvian just a robes. Yeah. So, unfortunately, um, the wolves descend and then... Yeah, I mean, it's a very epic away. intro where she jumps off this ledge and then, like, the big cloak anorak thing she's oh, wearing God, flies don't. off and then she looks really badass and comes down shooting all these guns at these wolves it's when she goes into the cave the door slams shut behind her she takes the glasses off and just raises one eyebrow yeah she does the um like a don't, james bond don't. eyebrow honestly i've got tingles chirking about she goes it. roger moore oh she's just the best anyway and then you're in it yeah you start the game yeah and i think and this is the thing, obviously now we're in a new age of gaming and you have these tutorials as soon as you start a game. When you first play that game, you're like, okay. Because obviously you can view the controls and stuff. Yeah, unless you've gone around Lara's house and sort of got used to using the controls, you are... If you go straight into the game, you're like, at all. shit. Okay then, let's just run around and see what we can find. Yeah. So you do have secrets in this game. I think a lot of people remember the secrets from two more than they would with one. One is like ammo med packs and all of that pickups aren't they yeah it doesn't look exactly like a secret it'll just be like a little item off somewhere but obviously you, it, there's that famous little boom noise that comes on if you what is it I, i'm not doing it again no that's <laughs> it you only get it once so yeah and we also should say in all the fmv she has her bubble ponytail but then in production the plaque kept swinging through her being so they ended up having to sort of like tie it up for in game yeah so it's like a, just a little bob on the back of her head instead with isn't it? it it's like a low bun that's been tied but i actually love that yeah. and i love in the fact that the gaming head statue yeah have actually incorporated that because normally on everything to do with tomb raider one she has has the plan then obviously in the game yeah. that wasn't possible so that was quite a nice nod i thought yeah that is cool to sort of hark back to then because a lot of the new stuff that gets released for classic tomb raider is more the anniversary side of it yeah um so it was really nice to sort of for me to feel like and i think a lot of other fans were like that's the only like statue i think with that hair on with it. that core design oh, cool. <laughs> yeah oh so funny so, yeah, I don't really want to do every single level. No, no, neither. I'm just going to sort of give a blanket overview, I suppose, of little bits and bobs, um, I think. 
yeah, Lost Valley I already knew about. I knew that was coming. So the the T Rex and that wasn't a surprise for me. It was see, just... I did. I remember, and this is a story I was going to say on Toon yeah, Talk. Go but for I thought it. I'd save it for here. I would play through it, and I I would obviously have a walkthrough thing because you remember the back in the day you'd get in the slips in the th- in the boxes, and you wouldn't really be able to search it online famously. No. So you could call hotlines. Yeah, I saw things like that. Imagine having that job. I would love that job. If someone rings at oh eight hundred. And you've got to help them get Whatever. through a level. Yeah, that would be so fun. That would be cool. To just try to just get through that section. But obviously, like buying PlayStation magazines, you'd get like level skips. So a lot of the time I would level skip through just to sort of play the different sections. Yeah. But I remember me and my friend Rich were playing, not Rich as in Rich Mal. Rich is another Rich from way back when who I still have a chat with every now and again. Yep. My bestie bestie in primary school. And he came over to mine and we were playing Tomb Raider. And it got to the point where, the you know... The T-Rex comes out. And the music starts. And we were like, oh my God, what is this? And just went into full panic mode, threw the controller at my dad. <laughs> dad doesn't, like, never really played it at all. I think he would play some of it so I could just sort of see. Or he would get me to a point and I could carry on. Yeah. But me and Rich were, like, pretty much screaming. Because obviously we're really little at this point. We're like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. He looks like a big crocodile, so I think... We knew it was supposed to be a T-Rex, but it didn't really look like one. So I was like, ah, what is this? So then, yeah, Dad killed it for us and we just immediately calmed down. It was pretty funny at the time, but also terrifying. Yeah. I like to imagine what I'd have thought of it when I was a, like a kid. Yeah. But I, I would have never have got that far because I found caves and City of Vilcabamba just so terrifying. I think as well, because at the time I didn't really understand the story. Yeah. So I always thought... Oh, Lara's in the universe where dinosaurs still exist. <laughs> I mean, what cool. she kind of is. Yeah, but explain a little bit about why. Tell what, us why. What? Why the dinosaurs exist? Yeah. I mean, my takeaway from it is that they are there because of the Skion. Mm-hmm. And because the Skion has the ability to create some form of life in the weird Atlantean creatures and all this sort of thing, I feel like... You know, the Tomb of Qualapec isn't far away from Lost Valley, so... <gasps> my favourite level. What, Tomb of Qualapec? Well, it's my favourite level and the like, design and all of that. Yeah, I think that's such a cool contrast to go from these, like... I mean, obviously, Lost Valley is, like, lush and green and the caves are all this snowy, it's so big. cold, grey area. It's massive. So, like, when you get into that main sort of arena, I would say... It is pretty much an arena. And I think as well, because... It, the way that it's sort of lit, it sort of loads as you move in a way. So, like, in that one, it's... The... the draw distance is really, like, it's not very far away. So you just get this, because they couldn't do skyboxes or anything, you have this just dark, like, mist, essentially. So you never really know what's in front of you, which is always a bit scarier as well. And then, yeah, I think when you first played that, and I didn't, I at the time, because obviously we were sort of kind of playing it pretty much when it was still new... Or it hadn't long really... It had been out for a while, but I don't think loads of people... Because that's the thing, the, the internet wasn't really a thing for, that was accessible to us, so it wasn't something that we could just Google to, about Tomb Raider yeah. and find out more information. So it was like, okay, the screen's wobbling, the music's playing, and then it comes at you, mm-hmm. and you're like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> so yeah, many deaths occurred where Lara's been thrown from a t-rex's mouth or whatever yeah but yeah it's, it's definitely one of the biggest moments i think in tomb raider history i think it's one the of the most th- famous parts isn't it 
Yeah, and again, it's it, even if you haven't never played Tomb Raider, you know about the T Rex. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you go from like that lush green environment with like palm trees and stuff, and I th- and I think even now, because obviously, understandably so, it's aged. But people say it hasn't aged well. I think it's aged well. Yeah. In terms of that, it's still very playable. Yeah. I think when you to have something that's so free movement, and I think it's I still think it's quite a fluid a fluid game. Like you know when you're. And the way again, she pulls off each move is very like. Once you've got the hang of the controls, it's very, yeah, it does feel very fluid. It doesn't very like. I know that people say, "Oh, yeah, the tank controls is why I can't get into it," but I almost don't think that's any excuse because I didn't I properly play is. the Tomb Raiders until I was like eleven or twelve, every, which has been years yeah, since it came out. Every single button on that controller, ha- pretty much has a purpose. Yeah, more or less. So it's like you can you know, run and then just slow into a walk. You can, until you find it, you can do a handstand on the edge of a a block, which when I found that out, I was like, oh my God, how how did I do that? Or diving. Yeah. It was, all of these finds were, for me, accidental. Like, you can roll, sidestep, backflips, forward flip, and you think, oh, this woman's just full-on acrobat. Yeah. Obviously, you know, she has the lungs of... A bloody dolphin. A <laughs> yeah. yeah. So she can swim quite far, although I would still, unfortunately, drown her. But it was... Yeah, like, when you play it now, and again, I don't mean to... And I'm not knocking when I talk about when... I've never played it, but when I watch, like, the old Resident Evil cutscenes and the arm movements and stuff, they're very robotic. Yeah. Whereas when you watch her in-game uh, cutscenes with Larson and she roundhouse kicks him in the face and she's like, thank you, I will. Yeah, more fluid, I suppose. Yeah. Oh, I love that bit. Yeah. And Wait, like, we're talking about the artifact here? I just love how Larson is in this game as well. He's all... <laughs> oh, he didn't hurt it's a barn door yet. <laughs> God's sake. Oh, it's so good. Um, yeah, Tomb of Qualipex really cool. I love all the pinky and yellow colours and the, the like... Inca statues everywhere. That's really cool. Mm. I think the this contrast. Is, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say I'm this big historian, but I think that's what you know. Like before, you were like, oh, museums are so boring, and then when you go on a trip with school, you're like, oh, that looks like that bit off Tomb Raider, or like when we go now. Yeah. Because mom and dad went to Egypt like many, many years ago, like way before I was born. And mom loves anything Egypt related, and I think that obviously you go to Egypt in this game, and it's really cool to see that side of things so obviously we have egyptian stuff in the house and when we've gone to museums and you sort of it's like a full circle thing of childhood memories with one of your favorite franchises and you know obviously like with mom and dad and stuff they went and they really enjoyed it and and things like that so that's always fun to it was one of the main reasons we went to cyprus and it was one of the main reasons we ended up because we got a, a ship for a day trip to Egypt mm-hmm. um, and one of the main reasons was that for that was because I kept bugging mum and dad about Egypt because I was constantly like drawing things from Tomb Raider or yeah I mean I was well into museums when I was a kid anyway just because I love all that really ancient history so I'd always draw you know pharaohs or hieroglyphs and try mm-hmm. and learn what my name would be in hieroglyphs and all this sort of stuff when I was really young um, so yeah getting the chance to go there was really cool love to go back to it, though, because there's so much more to see. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, it's weird because despite my love of Egypt, Egypt is probably my least favourite part of this game. Oh, really? Yeah, I just... Um, I really like the Egypt levels. They're yeah, hard, but... I think Greece is my favourite part. Oh, Greece. God, I, I find Greece. I find Greece yeah, like even, some of the best <laughs> levels even still, like even including like two, three, four, five and six as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think St. Francis Folly is just really fun to play. I just find the whole exploring the big tower in the middle and it's doing all so the switches. Vast. And, and despite um, the little mishap with the four room, which I found was quite amusing. <laughs> yeah, you know. Got a uh, Norwegian god in there, but that's fine. Or Norse god, sorry. It's okay. I never really knew that until no, neither. Years. No, it was no. And again, I didn't really, I, I didn't, I'd never played that get that level until only a few years ago. So. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I'm really new to it, I still was like, yeah, this is actually really, really good. I think as you got, I mean, I'll, I'll openly admit that through being terrified as a child, it went into my adult life and it still does. Like when I hear a music cue yeah. that Nathan McCree would have put in, I'm like, oh God, what's coming around the corner? Yeah. So I still get scared when I play them now and it's, it's not really a scary game. It's just... Where stuff I pops think out from it is because of the like the almost like the loneliness and the uncertainty of that's what's coming. why it's, that's why it's scary. You get such a a big sense of isolation. I think that's why they put the T Rex in so early as well. Because then it's like right, you need to be aware that anything might be thrown at you. <laughs> Literally, because obviously you had the raptors before you had that. Yeah, and you have them in. Um, Tomb of Qualipek as well. Yeah, I just love the fact. I know. I love the fact. You know, just like level design, and then you've got all the traps and all of these things. And then when you get to Greece, she does that thing of like she's climbing up this massive fucking mountain, finds Pierre's you litter bug. Yeah, I love that. And knows that he's uh, she's hot on his trail, sort of thing. And Pierre is one of Natla's men. Yeah, I suppose Mercs. Mercs. So she's sort of trying to follow him and and get to the. Is it the second? Yeah, the second, the second part piece of the, the ski on piece, yeah. piece of the ski on. So, I think, and it goes throughout this game. I think I still I'm constantly surprised at the size of these rooms and the in the sets in this game. Yeah, because you go in and then obviously you've got the piece where you've got to get up on all the blocks and get to this section or get that secret and do a shitload of backflips just to get a medipack or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And then obviously you've got the very blendable lions that come at you at the start, yeah. which forever gives me a fright because they always look like yeah, sandy. You, can, you just start and you're like, okay, this is fine. And then all of a sudden you're you've like, got what four the lions running at me? At <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot more animal enemies in this, isn't there? Yeah, there's a lot less human. Human enemies are more for like the bosses, the boss stages. And then you've got, yeah, just animals throughout all of it and mm-hmm. things. I like... Got also mentioned. I know we're not covering everything in the game. We're just going to kind of talk about bits and bobs. But oh, like the most memorable parts the, for the, us. The cutscene at the end of Peru, where she goes and breaks into Natla's headquarters, and she like oh, blow torches the lift and uses so the counterweight to fly up. Badass. And just how graceful she is when she gets to the top. Let's go, and she's just like, ding, yeah, and lands just on the falls roof. Down. Nat- the technologies. Yeah, that's so cool. Obviously, that's how she finds out where you know Pierre is. So. We only just found out probably in the last couple of years that when she's reading. Um, some extracts from this book. Oh, the monk. The monk is Nathan. Is yeah. Nathan McCree. And yeah. then when I listened to it back, I was like, "Yeah, I can actually hear that." You can now. hear it. Yeah, it's cool. Like because he obviously went, you know does Winston as well. So, but yeah. we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, I can tell that's a whole another conversation. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so that was really because I think they they had another cutscene, but I think that was when 
I don't know whether she was still in Peru at that point. She sort of sat on a bed and she's like looking at, I think she's looking at the ski on. Is that the cut one, the one that wasn't yeah. in the game? I think that's like after, probably after Egypt because I think oh, she's is got it? all three pieces at that oh, point. Oh, okay, my bad, sorry. I think, anyway. I or, can never remember the timeline of that Greece. Yeah, I don't know where piece. it fits. But yeah, that was interesting to I love see. that there's still things being found out about all these games, like little secrets mm-hmm. or hidden things. And yeah, this like far on and still things are being found. Also, I think we've got to keep flip-flopping again, but like, you know, when you're in City of Vilcabamba. Yeah. The bear. The bear is terrifying. The bear fucking shit me up. Yeah. Again, again because I played it on PC as well. Oh, sorry, on the, like, well, on PC and on the iOS mm-hmm. thing. Because you didn't have the music, you weren't even like no. you didn't necessarily get a warning something was coming. But I don't think you had music for the bear. No, anyway. no, I, I was just meant that in oh, like, right, okay. general. But yeah, the bear just appears out of nowhere because you go into a little shack and it's like oh, okay, and then just this massive this, brown like, bear is just behind like, you. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, luckily the enemies but don't actually, take too still, much to go you, down. Unless you fuck up the jump in caves. Oh yeah, you can fall into a you can pit fall into one. a bear pit. That's how you get one of the secrets, I think. Yeah, because you have to go like, behind the doors. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you if you successfully jump over the pit, you won't know that there's a bear down there. But yeah, you definitely know there's one in level two. Yeah, because it just jumps you. And then you've also got that sort of... You've got that secret, haven't you, to get... Isn't it one of the idols? Isn't it an idol? I'm not sure. You've got to go through... It's like an up and it's got the invisible bridge. I think that's in Tomb Raider 2. Oh, is it? Yeah. With the Yetis. No, because there is one in City of Okabamba. I swear oh, there is. Oh, is there? I'm going to have to have a look now. There's a wall that looks like it hasn't got anything on it. They've textured it so it looks like a normal wall. When you walk up to it, you realise it's actually a corridor and then it ro- runs around to a secret. But you wouldn't know it's there unless you really looked in each corner. I swear it, there's like a invisible bridge in City of Okabamba. Oh, going on Tomb Raiders.net, Stella's walkthroughs. <laughs> oh, no, actually... Forgive me, you are right. It's got breakable tiles. Oh, right, okay, There's yeah. a similar vein of there's just that one strip. So, yeah, that was my bad, sorry. Yeah. I think sometimes because I played... I've only completed this one not really that long ago, so I think sometimes certain rooms, they sort of blend in. Yeah. But obviously the older ones, because I always got stuck at the one, the later levels, all of those I completed yonks ago. I just never really <laughs> played it again. Yeah. But I think... Yeah, the Greece levels, they were just so massive. Yeah, they and really step their game up when you get to Greece. That middle, like you said, that sort of... It's like a tower, isn't it? And then that switch puzzle Yeah. that I had to walk through, that I have a walk through go, because I was like, I'm never going to get this. Yeah. And then you move from St. Francis Folly to... Colosseum's not that great. I've never been that much of a fan of that level. Well, famously, it's not actually in a circle, is it? Just I mean, well, they couldn't, I guess. <laughs> no. But, um... Yeah, we've got to mention as well the fact that Pierre's a right knob in these Oh, Pierre's levels, the biggest knob. He He's just invincible when you can't kill him and he just turns up and you just got to put so much amount of lead into him until he runs around a corner and then but when you lose sight you, of he him, he takes quite a lot, off, a lot off you. Yeah. And also, for some reason, the lions don't go for him. So, you know, they all just gang up on you as they do, you know. I know, yeah, you've been sprayed in, like, you know, tasty lion treats. Yeah. <laughs> I think the most iconic bit from the Greece levels, though, is obviously in Palace Midas when you find Midas's hand. 
and you jump on it and she turns and to she gold. And she turns to gold. Gold. I love that bit. I think that's such a cool little animation. And I'd never seen that before until I watched Lethal Unloaded because I've got that in there. That was the first time I've seen it. And then it. they introduced Phil Chapman, I think. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, because it's about all the um, deaths the, the they deaths had to the animate traps. for her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love that death because it's like you wouldn't. It's the way that she rocks really back and forward. Think and the... that would happen? No. She's so used to climbing on every ledge so far, you could just be like, "Oh yeah, this is fine." And then what the fuck's happening? <laughs> yeah, I think that's the thing, and I th- I definitely miss that about old games, is how challenging Tomb Raider was. There's nothing was really in front of you. You could walk around with a key. Or even that lead bar, if you pick up a lead bar and you don't really think about it, it's like you would never think that you've got to put it on Midas's hand to make yeah, it Yeah, I think I would have really struggled if I was playing that when I was a lot younger. I mean, With I bet no people walk really through. did. Yeah. yeah, so well done to everybody who got, through it, got through it without a walkthrough. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's a challenging game. Mm. And the level after that's one of your favourite levels, isn't it? <laughs> the cistern. No. I fucking hate this Which level. Which I've come to actually love a lot more. Because of now that I can complete it, I can get where you're coming from. Because if you do the level in the wrong order, oh, it really, it's really is annoying. But if you do it in the right order, it's quite satisfying. It's misery. So, yeah. Can't stand it. Yeah. Oh, to be honest, as a rule of thumb, I don't really like water levels. And this is one just big, sewery, underground water part. Yeah. It can be a little bit frustrating. a lot of that from my memory. It's just... You know, and obviously Pierre's still in there as well. Yeah, he just keeps popping up and a load of gorillas pop up and crocodiles and rats and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, the rats with like bright red eyes. Yeah. Scary. And I can't uh, think... You, you don't kill Pierre in that one, do you? No, in the next one, because I think, yeah, again, another really iconic bit from Greece is when you approach the tomb of Tehokan mm-hmm. and you've got the two... Cent- the centaur statues and then one oh, comes God. to life and you're like, what the fuck is that? I don't find them that hard to kill in this it's in anniversary that it's a whole other ball game trying to kill them they're not too bad as long as they don't like gang up on you like in the egypt levels which we'll yeah get to but yeah you kill pierre in that bit because mm-hmm. he makes that whole little speech about the surprise giving or something like that and then you just gun him down a lot and yeah bye pierre yeah au revoir pierre. i like that also the tomb of Tehokan is probably the most tomb tomb in tomb raider Say that again. Tomb Tomb in Tomb Raider. Because it's <laughs> Here just, lies to Hogan. It's like a little mausoleum that's all like nice. It's got like little plants in it. It's all nicely coloured. And then you've just got his tomb at the back with a nice little story mm-hmm. about him on. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. Look over us kindly to Hogan. Gloom. Oh, I love that speech. That's no, cool. That's a cool little cutscene. Because like, the way that Shelley says it, it's like, oh, this is the thing. I always think because there's not really that much given to you, especially in the in-game cutscenes, the way that... Shelley and like the other voice actors do it it's when she's like stumbling over her words you can't read the inscription on there because it's so pixelated yeah but Shelley will be like here lies to Hogan one of the just rulers of Atlantis yeah like, it's she's like she's like, struggling to decipher yeah. it which is cool and I really really like that sort of thing because it's just more immersion I think yeah because you probably wouldn't be able to just read it straight away <laughs> no and I think that's the thing because obviously you know we know Lara is how Lara is but I think that humanizes her a little bit more because it's like she's even though she knows so much there's still things that she might struggle with a little bit or yeah whatever and i think that coming through just such a subtle way in the how shelley's portrayed her just sort of reminds you that she yeah she can do all of these but she's still just lara yeah 
definitely. Maybe I'm just reading too much into it, I don't know. No, <laughs> I also like that St. Francis Folly, or at least the location where it's based, is a real place in Greece, which I didn't mm-hmm. realise, which is, I think, Meteora, which is in like northern Greece, where there's all these monasteries on top of all these massive rocks that you can like go and look at, and I'd love to go there. Cause there it... is like a really cool video series on YouTube, and I know Shelley narrates the first one. It's the History of Tomb Raider. Yeah, History and Geography, they... isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, history and geography, and they dive more into sort of that, and then you see the actual locations of those. Yeah, but that was cool to find out. Yeah, because I like the idea of that. Each level you go through in Greece is more like older and older, and it's like each new empire that's been there at the time has built their new building on top of it. So it's like, obviously, the Tomb of Tehokan is the oldest part, mm-hmm. and as you move up through like the cistern. Palace Midas, the Colosseum, up to St Francis Folly, the, the, it gets like newer. Mm-hmm. Which oh, yeah, I just love all that. Like r- when you really get into like the the fake history, which I guess is l- the law essentially of Tomb Raider. Yeah, uh, I love all that stuff where you just go a bit too much into it, more than it needs to. But I just love doing stuff like that. Mm. I think it's really cool. And then you are. She puts you... the skeon pieces together, I think, and then it tells her to go to Egypt and tells her to go to that opening. On her bike. Oh yeah, which is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm not that much of a fan of the Egypt levels. I don't know why. I feel like they're all quite samey. They all look really similar. I think I always thought Kamun was the real place for for one. Yeah. Not gonna lie. It's it might be. It might just not be that known. I think for me, like my main takeaways, obviously you have your new enemies coming through. Like the mummies scare the fuck out of me. The noises they make are oh. awful. That is so scary <laughs> because, horrible. especially because at the time I was so scared of the old resi zombies' noises yeah. and it sounded really samey to that. Mm-hmm. Like that still unnerves me a little bit. So even I think playing there's one it where now, you pick up a ski on piece, don't you? And then there's one head that follows you as you move in the um, tomb of Kolopek at the start. Oh yeah, yeah that it, there's, there's, uh, yeah. There's, there's a mummy just standing and its head follows you around. And the then room. it drops, doesn't it? Only if you get really close to it. Yeah, so that was scary. But I think for me, like I love. I think this is the thing because it's like at the time it was huge and it was so well crafted and even now I look back on it with such like fond memories anyway but I love the texture of the sand on the floor yeah and then the rich colours on the walls and you've got obviously that the hieroglyphs or you've got you know the scarab beetles and all of that yeah I do like the colourful rooms with like the bluey colours and mm-hmm. stuff they're really cool I think my favourite th- part is and I think it is in the city of Carmoon yeah. correct me if I'm wrong you've got that little pool Mm-hmm. shitload of sand and then you've just got that sort of like one lone sort of palm tree or the garden where's that is that in city of Kamun? where you've got the sphinx and you've got the obelisk where you have to put in the like the scarab and the ankle yeah. and all that sort of thing and you've got that little pool and then yeah off to the side there's like a mini oasis with a palm tree yeah. and some overgrown trees. i love that's cool that section yeah because it almost looks like a mirage like you it, it looks like this sort of doesn't belong <laughs> yeah it almost makes me think is it actually real? Yeah. Because you've got that mini sort of oasis there. Yeah, because you're in like this dark desert tomb. I always love all these tombs are so well lit as well. Yeah, that's like always sealed funny. off for thousands and yeah, thousands of years. Yeah, they would be pitch years. black, yeah. 
well, that torch is still on. That's, that's good. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Like when you get to like Last Revelation, they sort of ad- ad- address that a little bit, don't mm-hmm. they? Because there's torches about, but still, they wouldn't be as well lit as they are, I suppose. But no, but that you'd you know. It's best just not to think about light. it. Yeah. It's best to just be like, this is what it is. It's all natural light somehow. Because there is that sort of little lush garden, isn't there? And then you go into it, and then I think there's like traps or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's one of my favourite sections. And then obviously, as you go on, you see the full sphinx. Yeah. And I think that was when I... I did find that actually a little bit breathtaking, even when I look at it now, because you sort of What, think, in Sanct- Sanctuary of the Skion? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you sort of think how... Obviously, you know, it's quite it's rougher edges, because it can't be all smooth. As much as I love Tomb Raider 3, got to say the sphinx in Tomb Raider 1 is a lot better than the one in Tomb Raider 3. But I think it might have had Where's more the room. Where's the one in Tomb Raider 3? In Ludsgate. Oh. You drop down onto its head in the in the oh, natural well, history famously museum. I haven't played it because it scares the shit out of me. Yeah, well, you're going to have to play it soon, aren't you? I know, we've got to do a podcast about you it. You've got to do that next. Uh, the thing is, like, one and two, I'd played quite a lot of them, so I didn't have that much to play. Three You've got and loads four, to play, I've you? never played them. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I can't stand looking forward to it. But yeah, so like when I saw that, and then you have the, I think it's, is it Longing for Home that plays? Again, I didn't have any of the soundtracks. Oh yeah, of course you didn't. I'll know what as soon as I play it. Da, 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 da. It's that one. <laughs> da, 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 da. I like that we've got this budget version of the theme tune playing now. I can't now. really play it. We should play the soundtrack later. Yeah. Just for pure nostalgia, because you're talking about it. definitely. Yeah, it's longing for home, and you sort of just have this moment with it while it... Because I always just pause a little bit. And I think that's what I love about the soundtrack, because I was lucky enough to have it in my (laughs) version. When it pokes through, Yeah. it has these... And I know we spoke about it on the soundtracks podcast, but it has these sort of like almost haunting melodies, and it's almost like as Lara's discovering it, she's like, "Wow, look at this!" Yeah, obviously, you... like this is just things that I've imagined her thinking because you don't really see that yeah. for her. I definitely got that from the music. Having, I mean, I only played through it with the soundtrack. Obviously, I played the PS One version round yours mm-hmm. uh, the back end of last year for the first time, the whole way through, and yeah, it was. It does add so much playing it with the soundtrack because it just gives you, particularly when you get to like puzzle areas or somewhere where you don't necessarily know where to go to next. It'll be like the music almost mirrors what Lara's thinking at that moment. Yeah, or like you can almost imagine her wonder when she sees the Sphinx for the first time. Yeah. I don't know if it's just me as well. I feel like sometimes in life when you're just doing something sometimes you can almost imagine a soundtrack in your head yeah. when you're doing like a certain thing. And I feel like that that's kind of where those bits of music put you. I think, again, it's sort of the styles of that soundtrack that encapsulates Lara, I think. Yeah. And there are these little melodies, I think, of... Because, obviously, there's not really that much that they could have brought through at that time just through like technology and stuff, I feel like the soundtrack sort of adds more to her character. Yeah. And I feel like there is a vulnerability, I feel like, with some of those melodies. And when certain times they're played, she's on her own. And around such vast areas. And I feel like... been found before. Yeah, and I saw there's, there's almost that sense of discovery. Yeah. And I feel like when certain things are played, I don't know whether this is just coincidence or whether it 
it was designed to be in that level. Yeah. But the sort of styles of melodies that have that, a similar chord progression to something that you might find in, you know, an Egyptian scale or something like that. I could talk, be talking out my ass, I don't know. But that's that's just sort of the well, get impression that. I would get. There's a very um, sort of Arabian sounding part in the main theme. Mm-hmm. With the There's that like little bit before it breaks back into the harp melody again. Yeah. And that always sounds very Egyptian to me. But I don't, uh, yeah, I think that's those sort of keys that it uses. Yeah. And I think, you know, obviously the title Longing for Home. Yeah. We didn't know that it was called that until many many years later but then when i think of the style of that music where she is how far she's come to sort of i want to go home now <laughs> obtain what she has it's sort of like well i've been here for ages yeah i'm done now <laughs> yeah so can it be over yet? i think it, again I, f- I feel like the music sort of helps humanize her a little bit yeah and that's just another layer of the game that well, a layer of Tomb Raider that makes me love it even more is is sort of the music of, of that as well. Yeah. And then, yeah, you get onto sort of the last section, don't you? Yeah. So I love the cutscene where she comes out of... Well, yeah, no, I've got to say as well, you kill Larson at the end of Sanctuary of the Skion, which I didn't realise. I completely forgot about that happening. Yeah, I did, actually. Because um, it's kind of... It's not really a big moment. It's just like a little boss battle. Bear with. These chairs are getting creaker, I swear. Yeah. <laughs> or I'm just getting more restless. I don't know. Probably both. Probably both. Via that cutscene where Natla basically gets hold of her and you see all of the goons sort of for the first time. Which her goons, I didn't really... I love that they're such a mismatch of people. Like, where (laughs) the hell did she get them all from? I think she utilises them for very many different things. I I think Cold Kincaid is definitely the muscle of the operation. I think he's the only one worthwhile. Let's try the lunchbox. Why have you got a cowboy and a kid on a skateboard with you? The cowboy? I'd never got that. No. Maybe it's just he's really good with a pistol. I don't know. Yeah. The skateboard kid as well. I love their little... In Natla's Minds, which is still... It's probably my one of my least favourite levels because I always I get frustrated. I always forget what to do in that level for some reason. Um, and I end up just going around in circles. But, um, you know, I get on with it better now that I've done it a few times. But... Yeah, I like that you have to fight all of the kind of main bosses. Like you've, oh, I didn't. Uh, when you think about it, I forget how many goons you have to actually fight in that because you have the cowboy and the kid on the skateboard and the guy. Talking Cade. I know that's what he's called in Anniversary. I'm I'm sure he's called Bald Guy in Tomb Raider One because he okay. doesn't have a name. No, I don't think. No, I don't think any because I doesn't don't they have a doesn't the skateboard kid have a name in Anniversary in the cowboy as well? I don't know. I don't know. But either way, but um, they've got their it's own hilarious, like, like like their little arenas. Yeah, but the I love the one that's for the skateboard because it's actually a fucking skate park. It literally is a skate based park around lava. In, in this like ancient. But mine. before that, we need to talk about that cutscene again when she's like um, escaping on the motorbike. Yeah, which is one of the most like badass bits of the game. <laughs> so they take all of her. I can't remember how she gets there. Didn't she step out into the sun and then she gets sort of ambushed by... Yeah, they're all waiting there for them. her and they just steal the ski on and all of her guns and she Let's makes... Let's try she, the she, she dives off. And then she... Didn't she just find a bike? She goes back to her quad, uh, quad bike, back her to her motorbike and, um, yeah, makes chase when they escape in their boat. And then dives into the water and swims to the boat. There's My favourite su- little bit in yeah, that is on. when she... And you know I can't cope with it every time because I just think it's so fucking cute. She gets into the boat and then flops onto the bed. She's just exhausted. In the cabin. And the way she just flops on and she's asleep. And I'm like, oh. Yeah. 
I love it because she's so pretty. I love how it's very film-like because... I do think that they are very cinematic cutscenes for the time as yeah, well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the, the way that it's framed because she starts speeding up, like she revs up the bike and she goes down <laughs> this bit. And then she somehow like pretty much goes around these rocks and... Yeah, and she flies on this like thing to jump into the water, and then as the way the camera pans, Lara goes into like a, a dive pose, and then and it's it shot pauses, from underneath, it? and then she like covers the sun, and then like dives into the water, yeah. and it's like, oh wow, that was really really cool. And then they come out, and they're like, it's probably just a fish. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like you wouldn't think to look in the um, like the cabin of the boat, would you? Where yeah, she's I, I did find that funny down. how they didn't find but then, her. No, because they've already robbed her at that point, haven't they? So I did find it weird that they just left her there, unless they just never checked. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's weird, but and I, then thought, they go I into... thought, that's brave, Lara. You're just underneath where they're standing right now, and you're just going to have a little sleep. To be fair, I bet she was that exhausted, she couldn't give a shit. Well, I don't, yeah, I guess Who so. knows? I suppose she didn't really care, because she was needed to just go where they were going. Mm-hmm. So, but I like the Atlantis levels. They are absolutely terrifying, and I've got yeah. to commend the level designers and that for their absolutely... Just it's something that I've never visualization ever seen. of Atlantis and the creation of it because you have walls that are breathing and contracting. You're basically, the whole of Atlantis is a big living creature, essentially. So you have the Atlantean. What are they called? What? Well, you just got these the Atlanteans. winged. Yeah, you have like winged creatures that throw fireballs out. I need to adjust again. I'm so sorry. Sorry, I no. It's been. Uh, these chairs are quite uncomfortable. They are after a while. Just, yeah, they're they're comfy, but obviously the past three days we've recorded probably how many hours of? Well, I don't know. We've done twelve episodes, and one of them was three hours long. Yeah, they've all been about an hour long, haven't they? If so. not longer, yeah. Um, yeah, sorry. That's right. So yeah, yeah, you have to deal with the Atlanteans, and it's just so freaky. So Natla's mines isn't too bad. And once you've finished no. off all of Natla's goons and you head into the pyramid um, of Atlantis. And inside this pyramid, yeah, it's just like a big living You've got creature. sort of like the embryos at the start, haven't you? And they all There's start like to eggs o- everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And then you, they open and then you have these things that sort of like dart at you. Yeah. There's, it's it's a lot to take. There's, it's, it's fine and then you've fighting got like the centaurs one at a time. Well. Yeah. So the centaur that you come across in Tomb of Tahoka, and there's like loads of them now. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the mummies that you come across in... Egypt are now like unraveled essentially. I so. hate the way that they sound. They're so scary, and yeah. they like scuttle about. Yeah, I love that when you look at their models though. It looks like they've got a big grin on their face. Yeah, <laughs> they've got like these massive, big white teeth and like these red, horrible bodies. They're just like they just look like muscle, don't they? They're yeah, just, like, they don't have any skin. Yeah, that's essentially the whole place is just this big muscly mass. And then like in the background, you've got that heartbeat just playing. That's like mm-hmm. the building's alive. It's really. Very eerie, because you don't think of that when you think of Atlantis. So no. I like that they went, you know what, we're going to do something completely different. You, there's so many traps in these later levels. It's, it is pretty death-defying <laughs> yeah, literally. everywhere. And I think, obviously, with this, you have the save crystal system, don't you? Uh, well, again, because I had it on iOS and PC, you save wherever. I had the, the lovely save system and not the awful, horrible one with the save crystal. Because on the crystals. PS1, you had save crystals where you'd have to get to a certain point and then there'd just be one bouncing in the air 
And it's not like it is in Tomb Raider 3 when you could just pick them up and... Because you can pick them up and then save wherever you want, can't you? As long as you've got a crystal, you can save. In Tomb Raider 3? Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You Whereas had to in... save at that point. So you could be... You could literally see the next save crystal. And I remember there's a part in... I can't remember what level it is. I think it's the one before uh, like you fight Natlin in Atlantis. Yeah, that's just Atlantis, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you're sort of like ascending. Yeah, the massive, like you're making your way up the pyramid essentially to get yeah. the ski on at the top. And you sort of, I think you just know, like as soon as I get to the top, I'll probably be able to save it again. And the amount of times I die, because you've got the winged creatures you have to keep they fighting. They can knock you, you off yeah. into this big lava pit. So that's an experience yeah i don't i do like those i think atlantis is one of my favorite levels because each time you make your way up so basically you go into this massive column chamber chamber, isn't it and then you jump to the side and you go into all these side rooms and as you're slowly working your way up each side room slightly different and got like a different like just jump puzzle or a different Mm -hmm. thing to kill or a different lever to switch you know pull and you get something else to kill you it gets a little bit more like complicated as you get toward the top but um the most Again, another huge iconic part is Bacon Lara from Atlantis. <gasps> Bacon Lara. Bacon Lara. Scary looking squashed thing. It's like, it's like the head of E.T. and then the body of Lara Croft. Yeah, but just It's her doppelganger, basically. Yeah, and again, it's got this horrible muscly texture on. That you... So it's mirroring her, so you have to sort of like trick it to make it fall in its own lava yeah. pit. And she glitched out on you a load of times, oh, didn't she? Oh, about four or five times, I figured out yeah. what happens now. Okay. She falls off a ledge... Right, that's not very high, and all of a sudden she'll just die like Lara would, but she stays alive, it doesn't kill her. So then oh. if, if that happens, you can't do anything, so you just have to reload your last save. Yeah. Which again, because of the save crystal system, that puts you back a little bit, which mm-hmm. means you have to repeat a little bit of the level again, which is a right pain in the ass. Yeah, it was that one bit with, I think you have a slope, and then you have to keep pushing, pulling blocks. I remember what it is, there's a lot of walls that look like rock hard abs. Right. And it's all like beige. Oh, yeah, 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 I know what you mean. And I was like, if I have to do this one more time, because that, that was like, I was flying through that, and then it was just sort of Bacon Lara that was getting in my way, and I was like, I just want to literally progress to the next bit. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's a really cool like little thing, though, because basically because she just mirrors all your moves, you just make need to make her fall down a pit, mm-hmm. and then she just burns to death. It was which... really cool, because at first you sort of, and even though you know about it, I was playing it and I was like, oh my God, this is actually really weird. Because you can go right up to her because she doesn't harm you in any way. No, she just mirrors you. So if you shoot her and that's how she harms you. So it's quite clever, really. Yeah. don't know how they managed to pull that off. Because that's No, it, it is a really impressive. cool sort of like mechanic as well. Yeah. Um, and then obviously as you ascend, you have a cutscene with Natla. Yeah. The whole... I can't think what she says. There's like an echo that's like a octave down version of the voice actress who plays Natla. Hatching commences, Hatching commences in 15, in 15 seconds. seconds. Or whatever it is, yeah. And then she's like, too late for abortions now. <laughs> Not without the heart of the operation. No! Yeah. And so Lara tries to shoot the ski on and launches Nat. Well, Natla launches Lara off, a, off the edge of this big pit that you've been climbing up and. Because Natla fall, dies. Yeah, Natla <laughs> dies, wink, yeah. into this pit of lava and then uh, Lara manages to catch a ledge and then is in a floating, well, somewhat jutted out platform Yeah, with a big egg over her head. Yeah, big big birthing pod thing. And, um... and here comes 
torso bass. Torso bass, which is absolutely terrifying because it's like this. Oh ma- god, it's vile. It's just the upper half of a giant monster that scuttles along the floor. Which it like drags arms. its arms across and like just drags its sort of body over. Well, yeah. half of its body over. I just find something about their textures really unnerving. Like when you look mm-hmm. at his knuckles and you can see yeah. like all the cartilage on them, you're like, oh, this I is think horrid. It's, and again, it's like because it was so early, sort of ninety six. You think how are they even? imagining like doing these creatures or I remember hearing some story about they they didn't know what to do for Atlantis because Atlantis is famously kind of Greek mythology and you don't want to do Greece again because you've already been to Greece no and I heard I think they just found a um might have been Gavin he found a medical book like a, a book about the human body right and then they were just looking through it and it was like oh wow what if we do it all as like muscly textures like it's a big a live creature that you're inside. Yeah. I mean, it is definitely cool because it's you don't really expect... It's really cool. You don't yeah, expect Yeah, you definitely that. don't expect it. Um, but yeah, Torso Boss can be a bit of an arsehole because you've, around the He'll... whole arena, he can just knock <laughs> yeah. you off. And so the death you... animation when he gets you is nasty mm. as well. Because he picks her up like a ragdoll like by her ankle yeah. and then just like bangs her on the side of the platform yeah. and you can hear this 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 body hitting it and then you're like throw her away or something or you can just get knocked off and fall to your death in a pit of lava and then Shelly will perform her iconic scream yeah Where that goes on ah, 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 because it's so high up the, yeah. the, the, the sound repeats how she did that for you know for that recording because the, the screams are from the from the soul, aren't they? Well, They're I like very that that big. scream is carried across in all of the classics, like up till five. I know for a fact. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's the same. I mean, it's, well, it sounds like exactly the same scream. Like if you play through them. Because I know when they did Judith, they were unable to use Shelley's sound bites from. Because that's what I could never understand when I was a kid. I was like, well, she sounds the same when she says certain things, or no, the, or yeah, or when she sort of makes the grunts and all of that when she hits something and then that then changed. So it was, I never noticed that the screens were the same. I'm pretty sure they are. I might, I might I have be to wrong, go back and listen. Y- yeah, it's not something you really would pick up and like, oh, that's exactly no. the same. But yeah, definitely uh, um, pretty like messed up. And then once you finish with the torso boss, which is a long old slog for me, I remember. <laughs> yeah, I love the end section of the Great Pyramid because after you've fought the boss... Because then you go got... through and then you have a shitload of traps again. Yeah, and it's just like relentless sliding down a slope and then there'll be a boulder that falls after you oh, and then God. you've got a pull switch and then there'll be the swinging blade coming at you then you go down another like, thing and then something will be flying and out of the wall. And then you dive in that really small pool, is it then? Yeah, right at the end you have that massive... And you can get a secret here because I know that you've got this like crumbly tile hanging over this massive <laughs> crumbly tile uh, over this massive pit sounds delicious the pit is does it um, <laughs> this pit is full of lava but there's a tiny little pool of water in the middle and if you jump across the crumbly tile you can get a secret the other side but mm-hmm. i think it glitches out right. i remember someone saying what well, it can do or you one, can keep pressing jump and you keep flipping i think something like that I don't know. Um, or you can like, swan dive into it. And that's a really cool thing. If you do it successfully, yeah. also, you dive into the water. Also, I've just got to quickly say, mm-hmm. the, uh, it's something that Steve brings up in his Tomb Raider retrospective. The, Steve of War? Yeah. The death of the um, torso boss mm-hmm. is really dramatic. When it, when you kill it and he's like holding his stomach and he looks up and he's like, oh, and then it takes him ages to blow up. <laughs> uh, and on his retrospective he puts like this really dramatic like opera music over oh, the top God. of it it's so funny but yeah I just had to mention that because it is very funny because you're like is he dead he's, he's just is, sort of hanging he? around and then he just bang yeah and then obviously you have to get into the 
Great Pyramid to fight Natla. Yeah, and she's turned into some like big monster with a gun on her. Her arms turned but into a gun. But what I love at the start, she's like still got at the start in the first fight, she's still got like her office wear on, like her blue top and her grey skirt. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then obviously she reveals her true final form. Yes, which we haven't really dead. like touched on the fact that Natla is um one of the free rulers of the Atlantis. mythical Atlantis, whereas Tehokan and Qualapec are the other two. And, uh, and they banish her, don't they? Because, yeah, because they don't she like her make, practices. She started making all these creepy Atlanteans that you've been fighting for the last while, and they're like, "Can you stop this, please?" And then they just freeze her for all eternity until that. Because there's a cut wakes scene when they um, sort of give her a big telling off, yeah, and put her in this pod, and then you you then think, "Oh, that's who that is at the beginning." Yeah, I like that. There's some Atlanteans in that cutscene as well because I never realised what they look like. In like what the they're FMV supposed to look form. like, yeah, yeah. but they still look very grin. smiley. Yeah, <laughs> I like their big grin. But I think as well, like I know we'll get to sort of anniversary, you know, as the podcast goes on. Yeah, Chris knows what series it will be in because we always have a lot to talk about on here. Yeah, but I did like the fact that you didn't really realise that Natla was who she was, whereas in the other one, when she was sort of in her at the Great Pyramid, she was sort of like a queen, and she had sort of almost like ceremonial robes on. Yeah. And then she went into this flaming thing. I sort of like the fact that Natla was just, uh, yeah, Natla in this. Whereas in the in, because obviously they all have a certain look in Tomb Raider one because of the style of the game. But in Anniversary, they've made her look very sort of almost equine in like her facial structure and her nose is really now her face is sort of long or and her she do, eyes she look looks a certain a little way. Bit... She looks very different to how the other humans look. Yeah. So it's not like it's implied, but she definitely has and she's really tall, isn't a she? different structure to everyone else in that game. So say if you went in, you'd be like, oh, she looks a bit different. Yeah. Um, and I sort of like the fact in the first one that they just made her very human. Mm. And then you're like, oh, shit, I didn't even know till you're so far in the game. Yeah. So, yeah, I didn't really like that direction. No, I... For anniversary. I preferred Loved her it in the first one. American voice as well in Tomb Raider 1 because they made her British in the... In anniversary, I think. Did they? Pretty sure they did. Grey Delisle voiced her. I'm pretty sure she was still American in anniversary. I really, I really can't remember. Yeah. For some reason, I thought she was English. No, she's American in that one. Mm. Everyone's still the same in that one. They just had more talking in it. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. I can't remember. But let's let's find out. Well, I suppose we can, can't we? Just um. I I'm pretty sure she's American. Okay, whoever's right, when mate, whoever's right gets a cup of tea made for them. Fine. She's totally English. Okay. This is it when Lara's getting ambushed. Okay, yeah, no, yeah. Cup of tea, please, yeah, no, 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 That's fine, that's fine. I think that I like her more, like, she sounds more American in the original. Like, yeah, in this one, she's got, accent, I think Grey's tone her has, Her accent's like, a lot more subtle in Anniversary. Because her 
she I feel like she's got a bit of a deeper tone as Natla in this. Yeah. It's like more like this. Yeah. Like the way that she finishes That's really her... really because I honestly always thought yeah. she was English. <laughs> yeah, I get what you mean. Um, well, yeah, I'll, I'll admit I'm wrong. Fine. Cup of tea for me then, Hen. Uh, that's fine, that's fine. You know what I'm like, though? I'm like a dog with a bone when I know that I'm right. If I'm wrong, I'll hold my hands up, but I'm like, no, I'm right here. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad always... you proved that because I always <laughs> thought that she was English. I don't know whether we can leave that in. I don't know either. I suppose it's a... Mm... We probably can. I feel like we could because it's a, it's a game, it's, isn't it? It's not, only it's not a like... tiny little clip of something. Yeah. We'll find out if we get sent a cease and desist. We'll have to yeah. <laughs> edit it out. Oh, well. But yeah. And then you have the final fight and then you have the pyramid collapsing around you. Blowing up and Lara... The whole island explodes. Yeah, it? and it's all shaking. So you, when you're trying to perform these like death-defying jumps and obviously you're trying to stay out of the way of anything, any falling debris... It's a lot to try and do because I died, I think, a couple of times just trying to get out. Yeah, there's not many places to stop. No, and then obviously you have to ascend and get out and you sort of jump in the water as it's blowing up. Yeah. Which and, is pretty cool. And yeah, and then she goes off in Natla's boat, she steals it. And then you see her driving into the sun, and the sunset. And that's Tomb Raider 1, basically. And then um, obviously you have the theme that, I think the theme plays at the end, or like some sort of, something plays at the end. Yeah. And then it just says the end. Basically. And, and then you get the all those like, renders of Lara, don't you? Yeah. Which I always liked in the end of the Tomb Raider games, where you see just the renders on the dark background. And the really cool old school fonts. Yeah, yeah. Always definitely. a fan of that. I've got to also mention just very quickly, mm-hmm. I got gifted from a family friend. They just they didn't play Tomb Raider 1 anymore on PlayStation. They gave us a copy of it like years ago. And I remember I didn't I was still a bit young and I wasn't that I was still quite scared of it. So I mm-hmm. just cheated my way through it so I could watch the cutscenes. Yeah. And I remember we had our pool up in the garden one summer and I was so into Tomb Raider 1, I kept trying to recreate her running away from the explosion and then I'd just <laughs> dive into the pool at the end and be like, nice. yes, I'm Lara. I am Lara Croft. <laughs> so that was always fun. Yeah, I think I used to have, like when I used to go swimming with dad, he would always throw me something in the water and I'd have to go and dive down and get dive it. Down yeah. and get it. Yeah, we did that as well. I think that was always like a, in my head, a Lara Croft thing to do. Yeah, because you're like, oh, Because you always have like something at the bottom of the pool or something in the depths of wherever she is when she's trying to dive for something. Yeah. Um, so that was fun. Obviously, at the time, I don't think it was, I'd never known about it, but I think the first Tomb Raider model was Rona Mitra right. and Natalie Cook. Cook. Yeah. Um, I feel like Natalie was the first one, wasn't she? And then I think Rona was the second, technically the so second I'm one. So I'm not up that much up to speed with the models and stuff. That sort of went over my head a bit. Yeah, I was all the way in with that sort of thing. Yeah. So I was like, oh my God, Lara is actually real. Like I never really understood the concept at first. No. Um, but we can kind of talk about those, I suppose, because they all they all sort of had one kind of for each game, didn't they? Yeah, pretty much. It's, that's what it seemed to be. I don't think they had one for the second one, unless Rona sort of was towards the second one more so. I'm pretty sure Natalie was the first ever one. Right. I remember Katie Price was that. They, there was like three, page three models, I think, dressed as her. Yeah. For like a few events with, um, oh, what's his name? Ian. Is it Ian? Ian Livingston. Ian Livingston. Is he a sir now? Sir? Ian? No, I don't know. I want to say he is. No. It, he's a CBE though. Ian is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I didn't realise that he um he co founded Games Workshop. 
Yes. It's a shame because yeah. he was supposed to be at the panel, wasn't he? At Manchester. And I think he wasn't very well. Something like that, yeah. Which is sad because that would have been a really interesting chat, I think. Mm, yeah, definitely. But yeah, I know there was like a photo with the three of them and I think with him at some sort of event. Yeah. Or at like an E3 or something. Something like that. I'm going to have a look actually because I'm pretty au fait with the models. But because I know Nell McAndrew was two made of threes model right but i don't know whether there was i don't think there was one for two this is what i love like because there's such a good community like anything that you need to know quickly yeah you can just you find. Can find it straight away this one vanessa Des Moines, i think that's how you say it i think she was one of the first ones as well ellen roche don't know who that is yeah then it goes to like rona mitra nel mcandrew lara weller which is my favorite model yeah because i think because i was like oh my god it's actually lara because the name's lara Lucy Clarkson, Gilda Jean, Karima Adebibi, Bibe. She's going out with Professor Green now. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. But I think her, her name online, I don't know whether this is her, she's changed her name, but it's Karima McAdams. Yeah. Um, and Alison Carroll. Alison Carroll. I don't know why I just felt the need to sort of say all of that right now. It's fine. About the models. I was like, hmm, I need to see what Want to is. know, yeah. Yeah. So, Tomb Raider 1. The best game for me ever. You see, as much as I like Tomb Raider, and this is nowhere a smite on this game. I know. It's my least favourite of the trilogy because my nostalgia and like history is more with two and three than one. So mm-hmm. it has to have like... I kind of rank them almost separately to four, five and six because they feel so different to me yeah. anyway. The, I think the mood feels different as well. Yeah. And that's not in a negative way. I just think they're... There's a change. There was up like a split. I think because obviously you had the in-game models looking the same, pretty much for one, two, and three. Yeah. And then in four, she looked very different. Same with five, and then obviously six was a complete revamp for for PS2. Yeah. I think there's a, there's a natural break in that. Yeah. So I think that's a fair comment. But yeah, I just love it. So that was gone on for a lot longer than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Well, you know, here we are. But new series, longer episodes. So. Yeah. Not that we, I don't think we intended that, but... No, we just, <laughs> just like to ramble to about stuff. <coughs> Jeez. <coughs> Are you right there? That ain't corona, honey, don't worry. Jesus. <laughs> I think I just breathed in and I was like, shit, something just caught my throat, honestly. Yeah, my throat. Ooh. Anyway, I think we'll leave that there. I think we need to, yeah. We'll put that back in the tomb. I had no idea what you just said then. I had to really recalculate that. I thought you said oh. put it back in the toon. Put in the like, toon. In Newcastle. Yeah. <laughs> in the toon lake. Yeah. No, no, no. In put it back in the tomb, not the vault. No, so I'm very grateful to Cor and Toby. Yeah. For this game. Because it's changed my life. Exactly, yeah. Likewise. In more ways than one. It's um Yeah, mental, really. Mm-hmm. Oh, did you want me to share some of these tweets I've had from a million years ago? Go for it. Basically, I asked on Twitter, probably Two about 18 ago. months ago, because we wanted to do these Tomb Raider podcasts for ages, and I think a lot of people might have been expecting that because we're so Tomb Raider, Tomb Raider heavy. But I never got round to doing it because our original first ever episode of The Vault was two and a half hours long. We were supposed to talk about the first ever Tomb Raider and ended up talking about every single thing we thought about any of them. Yeah. So this never got mentioned. So I'll read a few out for you. So I, I asked, what are some of your favourite Tomb Raider moments? So I'll read a couple of out now. So we have from, an, at an entire Amazon, um, she said, 
Palace Midas. When I walked on his hand, I knew the history about Midas, but I did it anyway, just testing it. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's that's one of those like curi- curious things where you just see what happens and uh, yeah, you get At- something for it. <laughs> yeah. At Cecilia, as in my lovely Kathleen, yep. uh, she said, oh yes, Natla's Mines and the final levels, Atlantis and the Great Pyramid, they always stuck with me, most because they absolutely terrified me. I'd say out of all of the bad guys to fight, the ant... And Atlantean centaurs were so freaky to me. Yeah. Which I have to agree with you there, my darling. Very much so. Um, well, we've got one from Sir Daryl Baxter. Have we now? So we better read that himself. out. The man himself, the man, the myth. Uh, the music, first of all. Lara turning gold at the Palace Midas, fighting against a skateboarder at Natla's Mines, which is still the most random boss fight I didn't expect to have. Yeah, it's amazing. So I'd have to agree with that wholeheartedly. Annie Croft says, definitely the extraordinary soundtrack and the T-Rex. Yep. Stella Loon. Stella. Stella, the matriarch of all things Tomb Raider. Absolutely. Gem. Oh, she's a darling. Um, love the first appearance of the T-Rex and the doppelganger. The Mida statue. Uh, ride on the lift lift cable. Obviously, yeah. I, I had to think and I was like, the lift cable. And then I was like, oh, obviously, when she gets into yeah, the office. Yeah, with a blowtorch. And, of course, every scene with Natla. Yeah. Uh, one Mr. Chris from Il- at Illucifer, the creator of Raidercast. So, yep. you know, we've got him to thank for many episodes of that. Because obviously, again, I know we've spoken about that before, but it is amazing. Really good, yeah. Um, collapsing Tomb of Qualipec. Oh, yeah. Running away from all the falling parts. Yeah. yeah it's pretty mental. When she covers her head. So cute. Oh, yeah. Being able to evade the T-Rex and not kill it. That's very brave, Chris. Yeah. That's a very brave I suppose you've got do. those little caves on the side, haven't you? Yeah. The trap-filled Great Pyramid. The cistern and all its labyrinth labyrinthic glory uh, getting lost in palace midas aqueducts and archways yeah so yeah there's a lot of great moments there that is awesome uh mrs xenomorph one two three greece and egypt simple lol yep and then he sent me a follow-up tweet saying tomb of qualipec when you pick up the first ski on piece st francis folly that speak for itself plus i like killing lara with the giant hammer and then the sanctuary of the sea on just overall beautifully designed egypt level yeah so yeah, great tweet. So thank you for all of those. I'm really sorry it's taken me about three years to read them out. But, but I'm are. still grateful for them. We, we got there eventually. Yeah, we, so if yeah. Uh, I haven't read out any of your tweets, send us a tweet if you've played Tomb Raider, if you really enjoyed or didn't enjoy the first ever 1996 edition. Um, and we'd like to know your favourite moments as well. Yeah, definitely. So thanks ever so much for listening as always. Yes, thank you very much. And we will catch you in our final episode... And we're going to be talking about... That was my really good drum roll. That was amazing, that was. I know. Go on, then. Go on, then. What? You reveal it. Oh, I don't know what it is. Oh, my God, no. It's a no. mystery Oh, my God, me. it's such a mystery. Well, it's going to be Tomb Raider 2. Tomb Raider 2. Which is a absolute masterpiece for me. But, yeah, more on that next week. Yeah. So, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll catch you again soon. Bye. Goodbye. Thank <laughs> you.